29 for those of you who follow us in your Bible. I want to welcome each and every one of you to High Point Church this morning. I want to extend a very special welcome to Sister Barbara and her daughter Kim. So good to see Sister Barbara and Kim again. My goodness, what a tremendous testimony. God is so good. He's so good. He's so good. It's been a while since we've last seen Sister Barbara, and it is just a thrill to see her again and to have her in service with us this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 29, verse 29. Would you look at someone close by you and very sincerely tell them, God has the right. He has the right. We hear a lot about rights these days, individual rights. Government's trying to give folks rights that they don't... Well, I'm not going there. <clears throat> My wife's going, thank you, thank you. But God, the sovereign creator, has the right. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 29, verse 29, wasn't that an awesome Bible class this morning? Whew. Man, I almost whispered over at Brother Dave's ear to get up here and do that again this morning from the pulpit and just give an altar call. But <clears throat> The Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of this law. Again, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all of the words of His law. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. Precious Lord Jesus, I thank You, I praise You from the very depths of my being, for your presence that we are witnessing in this place this morning. While you have already done great and tremendous things, I yet feel and in my spirit that you are not yet finished. Lord, I pray that each one of us here today will submit and yield to your power and your authority and your will, that we will be tender and sensitive to the working and moving of your Holy Spirit as you work in this place today. As we come to this portion of the service, the preaching of your word, I pray that you'll anoint this vessel. Help me to be transparent before you on this congregation, that the words that are spoken here will be words from the throne of God. And Lord, we'll give you the praise and thanks for it all as we receive it today. It is in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. <clears throat> and once again, look at someone close by and tell them God has the right. Many things going on in our world today that if you are anywhere in the same page as I am, we just don't understand. I have yet to figure out how we can spend our way out of bankruptcy as a nation. Basic economics tells us for the most part that that's impossible. I have trouble understanding and the list could just go on and go on and go on. For the most part, life's losses leave us hurting and wondering. Cancer will take a young mother or a father, and we wonder why. 
Divorce strikes what was thought to be happy homes, and we look in amazement and bewilderment and wonder what happened. Financial ruin devastates retirement plans. There was a fellow tr transported here not long ago through the state of Georgia over to his place of detention in the Carolinas where he will spend the rest of his life and beyond because of taking away people's financial retirements through a Ponzi scheme. A child goes to jail, is killed, or commits suicide, and we wonder why and what's going on. Such times as these raise questions which are difficult. Oftentimes I'm asked, why does God allow such things to happen? And why does He not stop the violence and all the suffering that's going on in the world today? And these questions are difficult, if not impossible, to answer. We examine the circumstances again and again and again and again, and we speculate about the details, and we search for clues and that might make some sense and make it easier for us to understand and for us to bear and cope with what's taking place in our world and our society today and in our personal environments. Oftentimes wondering what could or what should we have done differently that might have prevented this or changed the course of life or the course of destiny. We turn to friends and we follow believers and pastors only to hear what sounds like religious platitudes and inadequate attempts to minimize our pain. It's easy for me when somebody comes to me and says, I don't understand this or that, and it's easy for me to look at them and quote, all things work together to the good to those who love the Lord and who are the called according to His purpose. But it's difficult for me to step into their pain and their anguish. Although many of our politicians today like to claim they feel your pain, they don't have a clue. When answers don't seem forthcoming and the heavens are silent, the question that often haunts us is, what should I do? Where should I go? Here are a couple of scriptures that I think just might help us in these uncertain times. passage that I just read in your hearing a moment ago says that the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us. You see, when it comes to understanding things, we have our territory, and God has His. And ours is limited to what He decides to reveal. God does not come and consult me when He makes a decision on what He's going to do. Preacher, do you think that would be okay? Because He has the sovereign right. He has the sovereign right to do with me whatever He chooses to do. We are His creation. He formed us from the dust of the earth. He spoke the world into existence. He made the sun and the moon and the stars and all of the millions of the galaxies. And it's His right to do with them what He wants to Sometimes He reveals things to us. Sometimes He doesn't. And 
it's at this point when we have all of these unanswered questions and we look about in bewilderment at those times that we must do like the wise preacher said in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. I have to look at folks sometimes and say, I don't know. But I know He does. Well, has the Lord told you yet? No, He hasn't told me a word yet. But I know I trust Him with all of my heart. Lean not to my own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge Him. And what's He going to do? He'll direct our paths. We'll look back sometimes and we'll say, Why didn't I see that back there? He didn't want you to. If he'd have wanted you to see it, he'd have revealed it to us. God has a right to do with us what he wants to. He has a right to do it the way he wants to do it. The second thing is this, as Paul declared in Romans 8 and 28, and we know, how many of us know? We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are the called according to His purpose. Keep that purpose in there now, according to His purpose. God may explain it to us or He may not. Many times He don't. However, whichever it may be, always remember this. Jesus told John as he was penning the last words in the book of Revelation. In Revelation 22 and 13, he said, Oh, John, by the way, let me remind you once again, I am Alpha, I am Omega, I'm the beginning, the end, the first, and the last. That's all we need to know. He's God. He's the Creator. He has the right. There's so many things that go on I don't understand. I pray for things to be different. Sometimes I get an answer and sometimes I don't. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning, the end, the first and the last. You see, which means He has a plan. I said, He has a plan. And he's working it out for our good and his glory, regardless of what we think about it. We may think it's the most twisted up, unbelievable thing in the world, but God has a plan. So we gotta trust him. Everybody said, I'm gonna trust him. I'm gonna trust him. Hallelujah. The sovereignty of God. Oh, if we could wrap our minds around that. We say it all the time. No, we talk about it. And if I would ask each and every one of you, you'd say, yeah, I believe in the sovereignty of God. Until it comes to our circumstance. I believe in the sovereignty of God. There's been times I've stood up right and said, I believe in the sovereignty of God until it came to my circumstance. And everybody, You're not going to do that, are you? Paul, writing to the Roman church, declared in Romans 11.36, For of him... And through him and to him are all things. Look at that real close now. For of him 
and through him, and to him, him being Jesus Christ, okay, are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. You see, here's something that is very important to get settled in our minds, and that is this. First of all, acknowledging God's sovereign control over our lives in all things. Everybody say all things. Doesn't make us helpless pawns or free us from responsibility. No, in fact, it does just the opposite. First of all, it takes away our anxiety. Whoa, whoa, preacher, hold on. Hang on, I'm going to explain. Just don't. It takes away our anxiety. How many ever been anxious? Ever had an anxiety attack? A couple times a day for me, so I'm good to go. When we rest in the loving character of God, we can say as the psalmist did, Hear me now. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You, you heard Brother Dave teach this morning about God's grace and His mercy. Relating to the story between David and Mephibosheth. Oh, friend. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You see, that's a surely you can't get from a banker. And that's a surely you can't get from your broker. That's a surely you can't get from your employer. Nor your insurance man, nor anybody else for that matter. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He went on to say at the end of that verse, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You see, acknowledging God's sovereign control. We're going to have to do this now because we're embarking on some time frame that's going to make your head spin right around on your shoulders if it hadn't already. Sometimes I drive down the road with my head banging on the dash going, Oh God, what's going on now? Acknowledging God's sovereign control in all things frees us from explanation. When folks ask me, what's going on in the country, my goodness, I say, hey, God has his way in the roll into the storm. I have no idea what he's up to. That's an easy and quick out for me. It's not my hands, pal. You see, we are liberated from the tyranny of having to have all the answers. I don't have all. I'm going to tell you right up front. If you expect me to come here with all the answers, you might as well fire me now. Tell me to get down the road because I don't have all. In fact, I got very few of the answers other than telling you right here it is in living black and white. Well, there's some red in there too if you get the right kind of Bible. Help me, God, help me. You see, we can simply say, I don't know, but I trust the one who does. Amen? Oh, I like that answer. Kind of keeps me from having to commit to too much. I don't know, but I, I do trust the one that does know. The danger of knowing a little theology, now listen, listen to me carefully now, for you theologians. The danger in knowing a little theology is that we start thinking we can fathom the unfathomable. 
Oh, yeah, we get the Bible out and we start putting together the pieces. Well, see, God's going to do uh, X. What? No, 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 he's going to do Z first and then go back to X. Now, you all have done that and you know you have. Don't look at me like that. Well, God's going to provide this and such and such and such, and he's going to do this, and then, then I'm going to go over here and get this job over here. And then when it doesn't happen, we go, what? Didn't see that coming. Listen to me. The danger of knowing old theology is that we start thinking we can fathom the unfathomable. How many preachers have you heard stand in the pulpit and declare that they knew the Word of God and God had things planned out X, Y, Z right down the line and none of it ever happened? They thought they had their theological brains flowing with the Spirit and they were miles away. Amen. I'll move on. I won't, I won't get, get lost on that. You see, even the great apostle Paul threw up his hands and said one day in Romans 11.33, Oh, the depth, listen to me now, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. The brilliant apostle, the man who who brought this message to the Gentiles in such a powerful and dynamic way, throwed his hands up one day and said, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. He said, You know what? How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways. That's fine. Now, by the time I think, he said, I've got this figured out. He said, I've figured out I don't know anything. Let's face it. Let's just be real honest here, okay? If we can't, we can't explain why God closes some doors and opens others. We just can't explain it. I don't know. I'd be lying to you if I told you I did. I don't know why He heals some and doesn't heal others. I can pray the same prayer of faith over one. They get healed. I can pray the same prayer of faith with the same conviction and the same authority over another one. And it's like, did I lose the connection? Hello? I love these cell phones. I come so close to throwing all mine out the truck window the other day. I'm trying to carry on an important conversation with an official. And every time I turn around, that phone would drop me. I'd say something important. <laughs> What was I saying when I lost you? And sometimes we wonder, what did we lose the connection? I can't explain it. You can't explain it. We don't know why God opens the doors. Someone prays for a job and they walk right through them. Woo! The best job in their life. Others pray for half a lifetime and they're still looking. I can't explain those things. And God, there's no favoritism with God. But there is a difference in His plan. There is a difference in His sovereign will. That's where we miss the mark. Amen. He has a, God has a right to do with High Point Church and those of us here, whatever He wants to. We may not like it. It 
we may just kind of get our feathers ruffled a little bit. But it's God's. Am I not right? Amen. Amen. He said, oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. I can't explain how God can take evil and make it for good. But he does. And he usually doesn't consult or explain it to me when he does. He doesn't come to me and knock on my door, call me up on them crazy cell phones and say, listen, I'm thinking about doing such and such. You got any problem with that? He's not done so yet and I don't expect him to. The third thing is, acknowledging God's sovereign control in all things keeps us from pride. Amen. Keeps us from pride. Pride will bring you down. It will bring you down in a heartbeat. Again, Paul writes, For of Him and through Him and to Him, Jesus Christ, are all things. If you want to make God's sovereignty temporal or limited, then we have to get rid of the all things in that passage. You see, we like to allow God to have sovereignty in certain areas. Oh boy, I've been reading some of y'all's mail. We like to have, we like to let God have, you know, certain things, you know, we'll let God have the sovereign right, but then there's other things that, oh, now wait a minute, I think I like to just kind of control that myself. All due respect, Lord, I, you know. Hello? But if that's the mindset we have, then we're going to have to get rid of the all things in this Scripture, just as we must get rid of the all things in Romans 8 and 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. If God says all things, then He means all things. Whether I like it or whether I don't. Hallelujah. If God says all things, He means it. It comes down to a simple choice. Probably all want to take a deep breath for this. Take a deep breath, kind of expand the lungs a little bit, buckle your seatbelts good and tight, cinch them up good because we're going in for a bumpy landing. Don't you love it when the pilot comes on and says that? A little turbulence ahead, everybody buckle up. coming into Tampa one time and about the time the pilot come on he didn't just a minute or so after he come on said we're approaching Clearwater International you might want to buckle up or some thunderstorms out there get a little bit of turbulence and we no more got buckled in that plane dropped about 200 feet here I come sweet Jesus if I hadn't been buckled in I would bounce off the roof of that airplane like a yo-yo Brother James wants to take me up in that airplane hills. The Bible said, Lo, I'm with you. 
Here it comes out. Are everybody buckled in now? You took a deep breath. Good. Here we go. It comes down to a simple choice. Either we trust God or we play God. Either we trust Him or we try to take His role. It's one or the other. There's no gray area in here. There's no room for kind of wobbling around in there. We either trust God or we play God. I don't want to take that role. It's way beyond, as one fine gentleman said, it's way beyond my pay grade. And let me tell you, it's an easy choice to make. We do it all the time in little matters in our lives. Amen? I'll hurry. I'm about done. Not too long. Again, Paul writing to the church at Rome, which I would tell you right now, it's applicable for today, says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. Sacrifice says something. Sacrifice means a surrender. Sacrifice means you're giving over. You're yielding your authority and your will and your desires. I, I beseech you, therefore, therefore I urge you, brothers, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Amen? Now, there are two sides to God's sovereignty. On one side is God's initiative. God's initiative. It's his right to initiate anything he wants to. Amen? Go like this. Well, I'm not sure I agree with that, preacher. It doesn't make a difference whether you agree with it or not. It's the way it is. On one side, we have God's initiative. He's sovereign, remember? He has the right to do with whatever he wants to do with. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. If he wants to slay them all, they're his dislay. Amen? Whatever he, they belong to God. Amen. And on the other side of this is our response. Everybody say that response. We have God's initiative on one side, and on the other side we have our response. How do we respond to God's initiative? Therefore, in view of God's mercy, we are responsible to, first of all, resist the pressures of a world system that pulls us in the wrong direction. Amen. And in view of God's mercy, we are responsible to renew our minds each day through prayer and the reading of God's Word. Amen. And in view of God's mercy, my friends, we are to recognize His will for us and live according to it. Mm -hmm, I'm feeling the Holy Spirit right now. Amen, amen, amen. God has the right. God has the right. You can't push God in a corner. You cannot barter with Him. We cannot make deals with Him. He is God. He is sovereign. He has set order in motion, and that's the way it is. 
He declared salvation through Jesus Christ and none other will work. Amen? Now Paul doesn't stop there. In the first verse of Romans chapter 12, we jump down to verses 9 through 18, and I'm not going to read these verbatim, but I notice that Paul talks about, he continues with love, must be sincere. He talks about hate. What is evil? He says, cling to what is good. Everybody still with me? Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be... What? Never be lacking in... Oh, that's a good word too. Never be lacking in zeal. You didn't type that in there, did you? No, it says it on mine too. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. I have to ask a question here right now. I don't want to put you on the spot, but I have to do it. Do you have the same spiritual fervor right now on the 19th day of July of the year 2009 of our Lord as you did when you first received Christ? Careful now. There's no doubt some that do. I feel a little conviction in the air right now, okay? I've got to pause for a second. Serving the Lord. Keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Oh, listen to that. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I'm not making this stuff up. You, you see it up there. Ho Practice hospitality. Bless those who... What? Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Oh, that guy shook my fist out last week going down the road. Probably didn't appreciate that. <laughs> huh? That's right. I already did. <laughs> Told him if you couldn't drive it, park it. Re Re rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of... What? Of low position. Do not be conceived. This is the Apostle Paul continuing on here. We, everybody just saw Romans 12 and Romans all there was that chapter, didn't they? Well, it's almost a while they like to slip two in there, but be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Sometimes you're like, but Paul continues on. He says, look, do not be conceived. What? Do not be conceited. Do not pay, repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. 
Don't be going around stirring nothing up. You see, God's sovereignty doesn't mean that we're released from responsibility, but it means God is God, and He has the sovereign right to declare the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end, and He has the sovereign right to set things in order and to direct our paths. I'm not suggesting that God's sovereignty means that we're released from responsibility or we're released to have no interest in today's affairs. That's not what I'm saying. Or we need not be bothered about decisions. Yeah, we do need to be bothered about decisions. And we have no desire to strive for personal life. Yeah, strive for personal excellence. I'm not suggesting that we should not show concern for the lost world. Oh, we should. That's a mess. In fact, quite the opposite should be true as born-again believers. Knowing God's sovereign plan and will, that this gospel reach the four corners of the world and everywhere in between. That we, much we do know about God's sovereign plan. It is not His will that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. It is not His will that anyone be lost, but that everyone would participate and partake of His amazing grace. Oh, yeah. We can, as Brother David so eloquently pointed out this morning, we can come to the King's table regardless of our extremities and our inadequacies and our failures, and we can pull up at the table and we look just like everyone else. A beautiful analogy this morning. When Mephibosheth put his feet under the table, there was no difference in him than there was the other sons of David that sit around that table. Your past is irrelevant. It makes no difference when you come and dine at the master's table. You see, God has a sovereign right to do that. You might say, well, I, I've never done anything wrong in my life. I've been a good kid. I've done everything mom and dad told me to do. You might want to think about that before you can admit to that. Really give that some serious thought. I, I, I've never sinned. I've never smoked. I've never drank. I've never been out, you know, carousing around and all that kind of good stuff. And here, thank God, He just saved them. And they're like, my goodness, look where they came from. That's His sovereign right. But I've served God for these 55 years and my goodness, He's done for them already in one year what He's taken Him 55 years to do for me. That's His sovereign right. Amen? I can't explain it, but it's His right. Would you stand? As born-again believers, we should be, as the Apostle Paul so adequately described. Perhaps the songwriter captured the essence of God's sovereignty the best in these words. Were the whole realm of nature mine, if that were an offering far too small, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all.
In Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, Paul said, And do not be conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So let me ask you, what has God been trying to do in your life that you have been fighting back His sovereign will? Have you been resisting the tug of His Holy Spirit at your heart as He's been beckoning you and summoning you to come to Him because that's His sovereign will? He doesn't want you to perish. He doesn't want you to be lost. He wants you to participate in the abundant grace and mercy that has been provided through the efficacious blood at Calvary. It matters not your background. It matters not the history of your life. It matters not what happened last week. It matters not what happened yesterday. It matters not what may have happened just hours ago. What matters today is your willingness to say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your ways. You see, we're all still a work in progress. Amen. So I ask you today, my friends, as God's Spirit is so miraculously and tremendously working in this place, have you allowed God to have His way and His will? He has the right. He has a right. He's the sovereign creator. When my sister passed away in death at such a young age, I had to acknowledge, I don't understand, but God, you have a right. She's your child. Same thing with my mother. Unexpectedly, not young for age brackets today. God, you have the right. In fact, I was asked by another family member, why did you suppose this happened? God has the right. We are His. So today, as we worship for just a moment, I ask you to allow the Spirit to speak to your heart one more time today before we leave this building. If you're still here and you need prayer, please come forward. If you want someone to pray with you around this altar, we've got folks that will be glad and thrilled and delighted to pray with you. I'll pray with you.
But remember, God is having His way. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's worship. the Lord. We appreciate you so much for being here today. I want to thank Brother David and the worship team for their obedience to the Spirit today. Thank you, Brother Dave. And such an outstanding job. And we're just delighted to be here today and to see the Lord work as He has. Again, it's good to see Sister Barbara and Sister Kim here this morning. We're just thrilled. Sister Goldsberry and I happened to be standing there at the door this morning when that SUV come through. And Sister Goldsberry said, I wonder who that is. I said, I know that. I know that SUV. Look at that tag on the back of it. I know where that came from. Amen. So good to be here. I ask that you pray for us next Sunday at this time. I will be preaching our oldest son's ordination service in Cape Girardeau, Missouri. We're excited about that. Looking forward to that next Sunday. We have a full day there. Pray for us. There's been a little bit of change in our plans. Sister Magina is going on to Indiana for vacation. I have to come back to work. Uh, my vacation has been deferred due to an emergency on one of our projects. And I've got to come back and work. In fact, I've got to work about 14 days straight. Uh, so you uh, pray for me. Pray for us. We'll be doing a lot of driving. Uh, she's got to bring me back to Atlanta from Cape Girardeau on Monday morning. 
and then from there I have to go to Savannah. So we got I've got a lot of road travel time to go, and uh, but God is good all the time, all the time. So be praying for us, and then she'll be coming home the following weekend, driving by her little old self, and uh, but that's all right. She's a terror on the road. She comes flying into the house at about Mach 4. I can hear it when she makes the corner on Watkins Way. I hear the jet coming in. Get out of the way. She's coming in. Mach 4. She's going to land that bird. Anyway, God bless you. We appreciate you for so much for being here. Uh, it's been a thrill today. Brother Burrell, if you'll dismiss us in prayer at the conclusion, you're dismissed in the name of the Lord.